Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Well, you know, we got all kinds of stuff going on. I do have to share this because we always talk about our friends that send out cards. Yes. And I got the coolest. I just checked the mail right before we started this podcast. And I got the coolest send out card with the self-reflection journal on the nice. front. Nice. And when, I op- and when I opened it, it was one of the most heartfelt messages and it basically said, I wish I would have read this book 30 years ago. Wow. Because everything that's in your book, I'd lived through. So he wow. goes, hats off, you know, you wrote a really great book, but he took the time again, send out cards. You and I talk about it all the time, Daryl. Well, no, that's, that's great. And a huge shout out to our friends at Send Out Cards. If you want to try that out, um, and, and I got a good hint in how you can try that out, Larry. I sent a card to my wife last week. And uh, put a picture of her on the front. Oh my goodness! It was she was just ecstatic about the whole thing. You wouldn't think, but hey, give it a <laughs> shot. Cards.sellingfromtheheart.net. Show some appreciation. Reach out and uh, and touch someone. Build a relationship. But uh, Larry, I am so excited about all the things that are going on at Selling from the Heart right now. This is the community of people that has grown up around this concept of just being authentic and bringing your real self uh, to the business world, to your clients. Um, it is so exciting, the interaction we get to have on a now just daily basis from people around the world. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, and I can't wait to dive into the podcast because you know that's what we're going to be talking about. But what's, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't quite sure, okay, are people going to latch onto the message? But I tell you what, there's not a day that goes by that somebody's not waving the flag around selling from the heart or authenticity and, and people could put pooey and say it's too mushy gushy, but you know what, if they really self-reflected and took a deep look inside of who they are, they're going to go, you know what? It does make sense. It's just, you know, it, one of these days, right. And, it, and it's catching there, but executives will realize that relationships and heart and how much you care for people does matter. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. By the way, if you're new, to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You have, as you might be guessing, joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it Selling from the Heart. And one more thing, Larry, I just gotta extend some congratulations because this last week on September 19th, we celebrated the one year anniversary of the launch of the Selling from the Heart book. And uh, I know we had a great time on the Facebook Live just celebrating that event and all the things that have gone on. And I just want to say, a uh, once again, a sincere thank you to you for putting the time in and the blood, sweat, and tears to put all that together. It really is exciting to see all that's happened in a year. I know. it. Well, I owe it all to you because you're the one who gave me the swift kick in the butt to do it. So thanks, dude. 
And by swift kick him in the butt, you mean a seven-hour road trip badgering you to yeah, like, no, look, right? Hey, hey just, just for everyone out there, don't get into the car with Daryl, especially for a long period of time because your left ear will be cauliflower. And that's kind of what it was. And I just gave in. I just said, Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you did. Well, hey, we have got a phenomenal conversation teed up today. So why don't we, why don't we rock and roll and dive into that, Larry? Let's introduce our guest and, and let's go. Yeah, I can't wait to to bring Todd Capone on the podcast. But Todd and I, actually, right before the podcast, we were talking about um, the series that we were on with Tanya Pluckrose, and it was all around, you know, being authentic. And, and she sheds, what, maybe 20 really cool guests on that just talked about our mission around being transparent, authentic, and genuine. And then we struck up, a, Todd and I struck up a friendship. We hopped on a call. We were starting to communicate via blog posts and posts we were tagged in. I said, we got to talk. And it wasn't too long before I realized Todd and I and selling from the heart, I mean, two peas in a freaking pod, I, I would say. <laughs> so without further ado, we got, we got to get this guy on. So Todd Capone, welcome to Selling from the Heart. Thank you for having me. Man, this I'm is, so glad dude, you're here. Be good. Yes, it's going to be good. Todd, uh, Todd is the author of the book, The Transparency Sale. And I think very quickly, you're going to figure out that Todd is a uh, fellow selling from the heart friend uh, and uh, just a champion for all things authentic. But I'm curious as we get started, Todd, we ask this of all our guests. Uh, when you hear the word selling from the heart, what does that mean to you? Well, it, uh, it literally changed my life, which is interesting. It's funny that Larry and I would share a brain on our answer uh, when we <laughs> talked last time. So I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir with this, but when you think about what the role of a professional salesperson is and should be today, it's to help buyers make the right decisions to remove friction from their decision-making process and give them everything their brain needs to make the best um, you know, purchases and decisions for their business. And so, you know, I preached that too, but here's the, the change. When I talk about this, I get surrounded by people that are like, yeah, I totally agree with that, Todd. And I always sell from the heart, but the difference is they all communicate in a way that makes it sound like they have to give something up to do that. Like mm -hmm. by selling authentic you know, with authenticity and honesty and leading with transparency, it means that I'm actually sacrificing for some results. And what changed my life was this, uh, you know, recognition that the brain science and all the, the data tell us that when we lead with transparency and lead with our flaws, it actually impacts every metric that matters in a positive direction. Wind rates, close, you know, cycle lengths, qualifying deals in, qualifying deals out, making it hard on our competitors. And and so I am, you know, obviously oozing with um, excitement about this topic, but can't wait to dig into a little bit about the data and the brain science to help support the mission of selling from the heart. Oh, yeah, man, no, I absolutely love it. No, what I was just going to say, and, and because you key in on stuff, and, and I know we're going to dive in on it, but if we know all this stuff works, right, and you got three geeks who are going to geek out on it here in a second. <laughs> But from a leadership point of view, what prevents leaders from doing this? And furthermore, if the sales world understands that this is, this is so crucial to their growth, then why do they find it so difficult to truly implement? Yeah, I mean, it's really two things. Um, number one, that 
vulnerability and leading with transparency feels risky. Uh, when we think about the brain science around rewards and avoidance of pain, right? So we will always seek out the short-term um, avoidance of pain before the short-term avoidance of reward, uh-huh. all right? But let's go a little further. We will always seek out the short-term reward versus avoiding the long-term pain. And what that means is if I lead with transparency now, uh, I'm actually increasing my risk of risking my whole deal. And I'll deal with the consequences later by hiding my flaws and hoping I get away with it. And so that's number one, when we lead with transparency and lead with our flaws, there's risk involved in that. And a lot of us are adverse to doing that. But number two is empty pipeline syndrome, right? If you're a salesperson that doesn't have a pipeline, why would I want to be honest with a seller? I got to reel them in and I got to show my boss that I've got a pipeline. So I keep my job. And as it turns out, the opportunity cost of working deals that you're going to lose anyway is so much higher. Um, and if you're going to lose, you got to lose fast. And that's why transparency works. Wow. So what was the light bulb moment behind all of this? I mean, you were at, yeah. you were rocking and rolling. You were the CRO for a highly successful uh, company and everything's going along. I mean, when, when did you go, holy smoke, there's, I've been missing something. Yeah, it's a great question. And it literally, we did a research study with Northwestern University that changed my entire life, which is crazy. Wow. Like, who's ever had a research study that changed somebody's life? But <laughs> um, so uh, the, the company that I was the CRO of was Power Reviews. And what we did is we helped retailers and brands collect and display ratings and reviews on their websites. Mm-hmm. So if you're on crocs.com or Vineyard Vines or Jet or one of those, and you're looking at the, a product, let's say a pair of shoes, and you look at the reviews, it was power reviews that was helping with the collection and the display. So we uh, connected with Northwestern University on a study that looked at, all right, when consumers are buying and the website is acting as the salesperson. So let's look at consumer behavior around purchase decisions when a website is acting as the salesperson. Here's what they found. So first of all, no surprise, we all look at reviews. Right. Um, if we're buying something of medium to high consideration that we haven't bought before, we look at reviews, 96% do, and I've yet to find the 4% that don't. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so that's number one, but here is the thing. So these two pieces changed my life. Number one, 82% of us seek out the negative reviews first. Yes. We, we skip the positives <laughs> and go right. Yep. Yeah. So we skip the positives, go right to the negatives. We want to look at the ones, twos, threes, and fours. Does this apply to me? But the second piece is um, it's a more accurate predictor of what my experience is going to be like with this product or service. So that's number one. Number two is that when an average review score is between a four, two and a four, five, Mm -hmm. those products sell better than a product. That's a perfect five. So an imperfect four, two to four, five sells better than a five. So I start to look at this. I look at my, I had 60 people on my team and I'm like, all right, I've been teaching them all to sell as though we're perfect. This was B to C, and this is when a website is acting as mm. the seller. What happens, and like, why does this happen? And what happens when we talk about human to human? I found a whole treasure trove of brain science, and I started to nerd out on this around how <laughs> we're wired, you know, how we're wired to resist influence, and how uh, we're wired to predict what our experience is going to be like, and how we make decisions with feelings and emotions and only use the logic to back it up and realize that all of these things together tell us that 
when we as humans sell to other humans as imperfect, as Tyra Banks calls it, flossom, which is the greatest word ever, uh, that we're flawed, but know that we're still awesome. Yeah. When we sell that way, magic happens. And so we started to apply it. And like I said earlier, sales cycle shrank dramatically. Win rates went up. We were losing deals faster that we were going to lose anyway. The, the deals that we were the right fit for, we were figuring that out and qualifying harder, faster. And then our competitors couldn't message against us because we were leading with our flaws and doing that thing that the buyer wants, which is, I'm going to take you to the negatives first, and then we'll talk about the positives. And it's, again, it changed my life. I wrote a book and now I'm out yapping about it. So, wow. Well, you know, so this is interesting. Now I'm, I'm just, I, now I'm just thinking this thing through because Todd and I have already talked about this before, right? When we hopped on a call for all the listeners out there, I can only imagine what's going through your head right now. So you're asking me to sit in this meeting with this executive who's, you know, or a buying team that's going to say yes or no to me. And I'm going to lead with all my flaws first. Yep. Probably go out <laughs> a box of freaking fruit loops. Right. <laughs> but, but, but if you actually think about it, I, you know, and the psychology behind it, hmm. we're all not perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, the, the word flossum is a perfect way to put it. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that anybody listening go into their next sales call and go, hey, this is why we suck. Like, right. that's, <laughs> like that's, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, you just think about, you know, some a, a retailer we can all um, relate to is Ikea, for example. You know, Ikea is the number one uh, furniture retailer in the world for eight years in a row. And the experience sucks and they don't hide that right? Like finding the bedroom furniture you're looking for. There's no salesperson around. So you got to write down the code because you're going to go to the warehouse and pick it and pack it onto a cart that doesn't have brakes. You're going to go into the parking lot, jam it into your hatchback, F-bomb your way through that, get it home, (laughs) open the box, 150 parts with no words on the instructions. And when you're done, you're going to go, oh, we should have bought some end tables too. Let's go back. Right. And the reason that that works is that they say, hey, listen, we're not going to be good at this. So we can be great at giving you modern Scandinavian design furniture that you didn't pay much for. Yeah. So when we think about our businesses and whatever mm-hmm. we sell, what is our modern Scandinavian design furniture? And what is our pick, pack, and assemble it with crappy instructions? Understanding that and making that apparent to customers is going to help them make better buying decisions and speed up their sales cycles. When you hide it, you know it's going to get found out Anyway, and so here's the second piece of that, that um, I, I'm, I'm on a run here. So go for it. Let me keep going. This is great. So, so the brain science tells us that this is right, right? Like, it, it, there's no doubt about that. But the reason that it's urgent is that there is now a proliferation of reviews and feedback on everything we do buy and experience, like every restaurant, every hotel, uh, every product you buy online, our Uber rate, you know, Uber drivers were rating each other. But now in the B2B space, you can find feedback on just about any product or service with a simple Google search, the the glass doors of the world and, you know, Google reviews and all that. So brain science tells us that leading with our flaws is better, but now we have to, because hiding our flaws and expecting to get away with it is a losing bet because of that availability of reviews and feedback that's so simple and right at a a Google search away for every buyer. Mm. Yeah, you know, because it's interesting. And, and I look at, 
and I'll just validate this because I look at any, you know, we're all Amazon geeks, right? We just go to Amazon, we buy it because you can get it the next day delivered to your door. But the same thing as I'm listening to what Todd's saying, I go, you know, because we're all avid book readers. And that's the first thing I do when I'm out scouring books to read. I'll find a list, right? I'll save them in my lists. And then I go back and I start doing some homework on it. And I blow right past, you know, all the great reviews. And I go, okay, did this book get a one or a two star and why? So what you're saying makes sense because I do it. We all do it. Yeah, exactly. It's, how we're wired. it's literally how we're wired. When a salesperson gives their pitch, and then we go and look at five-star reviews. It's just like, well, the salesperson should have just read these to me, right? It's like, it doesn't add any value. What I'm trying to understand is my risk. My, I'm trying to understand, is the juice worth the squeeze here on a purchase in terms of my resources and my dollars? Am mm. I actually going to get what I think I'm going to get? If I just listen to the salesperson and everything's perfect, I know subconsciously, like I know consciously, but even subconsciously, that that's BS, that mm -hmm. there's something that there's got to be a downside. Not every customer has had a perfect experience. And until I understand what that is and whether it applies to me, I can't make a confident decision. Hmm. So what is that? So we gave the, uh, the Ikea example, and I agree 100% about Ikea. And yet we keep going back. I just personally, I don't know why my wife keeps dragging me back. But um, what does that look? So what, what does this look like leading with the flaws in a in a B2B um, sales scenario. I'm really curious that you've really piqued my interest here. Yeah. I mean, I, so we were selling ratings and reviews technology, but um, we had an inbound lead come in for a company called Calvin Klein uh, that you're probably well aware of and they're right in my, our, our wheelhouse. And um, the lead came in while I was in New York. And so I, um, my VP of sales was texting back and forth with me saying, Oh, Todd, big news. And I was like, Hey, they're in New York. Um, I know they're going to go through this big evaluation, but can you reach out to their head of e-commerce and see if he's available for coffee? I'm here. Like that would be super convenient if it works out. And if it doesn't, I know it's like a one in 20 shot. Well, it turned out it worked. The guy said, yeah, come on by. So I go to their office in Manhattan, tiny office. I walk in thinking we're having coffee. He's showing me how to connect my laptop to his little monitor in his office. <laughs> and people are rolling chairs in. The next thing you know, there's seven more chairs. So there's nine of us in this little tiny office. And so I'm not expecting to be giving a pitch. I thought we were just going to get to know each other. And he was New York in the best way possible, meaning no small talk. Todd, go. we're looking at your competitors. <laughs> exactly. We're looking at your competitors. We're looking at you. And then his first question, how are you better? And I'm looking around at this group thinking, you know what? I just read all this research. I, I think I, I'm going to try it. Like I just roll the dice. And so what I did, our competitor is bigger and had um, the, not only the ratings and reviews technology, but they had other pieces around it uh -huh. that, that we didn't have. So I said, hey, listen, before we start, can I start with how they're better than us? Because if those components are going to be important to you in your buying cycle, I, I'm going to save us all a ton of time. And you could feel <laughs> the room deflate. They were just kind of like, okay, crazy person. Um, but I then... Uh, I then started, they had an add-on tool that they were using with another apparel company that they, they were going to pitch. They're going to pitch hard at some point. So I'm going to pitch it and understand whether it's important. So I explained it. I said, it's not even on our roadmap. We're not even contemplating it because we want to be really good at our core. 
And if that's going to be an important piece that needs to be a part of your solution, let's get that out now and I'll save us all a ton of time and get out of your hair. Well, uh, I explained it. They said, no, it's not on our radar either. Interesting. I'm glad you brought it to our attention, but not important. Literally 15 minutes later, he kicks everybody out of his office, pulls a folder off of his credenza. This has never happened to me in my history of selling. Opens it up. It says e-commerce budget, ratings and reviews technology, and a dollar amount. He said, can you hit that? And wow. I said, and so we had a discussion about that. And what would have been a six-month sales cycle, he called me back two weeks later to tell us that he had uh, decided to go with us. They're foregoing the RFP and the uh, formal presentations. And um, he also joked with me that, when he told the competitors they're going with us that they started hard selling him on that add-on. Right. And he stopped them and said, Hey, enough, you know, your competitors, uh, CRO has been trying to sell us on that too. We're not interested. So it's funny wow. how that happens, but it's disarming. It helps the buyer predict what their experience is going to be like. They can see it. And in the end, sales cycle shrunk and I completely disarmed our competitors ability to message against us. And that, you know, that's an absolutely freaking fantastic story. Cause I look back at my whole career in, in the channel that I grew up in and I was always selling against somebody who was bigger, right? Somebody who might've been better, you know, than the company I was working for forever in a day, but it didn't bother me because I stayed in my wheelhouse and I stayed at where I knew I was really good at. And this is just a great story that, you know, regard, we're all in a competitive landscape that regardless of what you sell, you're going to have competition and you're going to have competitors are going to be bigger than you. They might be more nimble. They might be more agile than you. But if you can, if you can really grasp onto what Todd just said and bring to life what your core is and what you're really good at and get comfortable in rolling it out, I promise you this, and Todd would probably stamp this, your conversations will take on a whole different light. Absolutely. It's just like any relationship, right? If you build it on a foundation of trust versus, you know, our brains, we're wired to resist being influenced. It, you know, you see it, imagine at home right now, you look out the front window and you see two people walking up the driveway that are well-dressed and one's holding a clipboard. Like, what do you do? Like you close the drapes and go <laughs> get in the basement, right? It's like, you know, we're, we're wired to resist being influenced. If, if there's a way to disarm that, like leading with your flaws and transparency disarms and builds relationships really, really quickly. So your foundation is built on trust and not on manipulation and influence. It's, it's amazing. To finish that Calvin Klein story, as the guy walked me to the elevators at the end, I swear he wanted a hug. And like, it was a New York guy, a New York guy that switched to like, Hey man, I trust you. And it's, and it's not a trick. It's, yeah brain science. And it feels good, like selling from the yeah. heart. It feels good yeah. to get that out now versus get it out four months from now. And you're like, oh yeah, I didn't tell you, we don't have that. Well, it's so. because, because guys, that's how humans are wired. Yep. Yeah. They're wired to, you know, from the heart, a sense of belonging, caring, right? Unless you live under a rock forever in a day, <laughs> right? Yeah. But let's just get this out there and quit shoveling it off to the side. Exactly. It's always, you know, address the elephant in the room from the beginning. And when you do that, the magic happens and it happens consistently. It wasn't one Calvin Klein story. We did it a number of times. And then as I've been rolling this out, even when I'm selling my own services, it's just like, hey, here's what I don't do. And here's what I do. And if what I don't do is important to you, let's both save each other a 
bunch of time. It's, right. It makes sense. Right. It's common sense, right? But we all know for anybody who's listening to this, that your products don't always work in every single environment too. So identify that. Which environments are not going to be perfect? If your competitors didn't, in certain circumstances, have a better match for your uh, target customers, they'd be out of business. You'd win 100% of the time. So identify that. Lead with it. And you'll start working deals that you can win. And you'll, I mean, sales just jump dramatically. It's, it's pretty cool the way that it works. But you'll see that in a short order when you really embrace the four, two to four, five. Wow. What a cool story. What a cool story. Four, two to four, five. Larry, you got a problem. Well, I do too. No, yeah. no, no, dude. Don't, <laughs> I, I, stop it. I know exactly what you're going to say. And now you and Capone are going to freaking jinx it. So stop. I know where you're going. Well, it's funny that um, my, my own nephew wrote, uh, read my book and then gave me a four-star review. I'm just like, dude, like I can't even get a five-star from my own nephew. But he's like... <laughs> Listen, nobody believes the five. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> don't go there. I can, okay, I, I so mean, now everyone who's listening, that, <laughs> that wasn't your cue to like blast the crap out of me. So well, I, the bottom line, though, is that artificially inflating or deflating reviews yeah. is untrustworthy. It's got to still be trustworthy. And yeah. if people love the book, they love the book. But it's funny. I have gotten a couple of fours on my book. And when you look at Amazon... And, you know, the, the thumbs up, thumbs down, like, was this review helpful? The most helpful reviews have been forced across the board. And I think that's wow. really interesting and speaks to the power of authenticity and transparency. Fantastic. Amazingly cool. I'm, I'm Todd, I'm, I'm like almost speechless. This is my mind is spinning in so many directions. I can't wait to take a deeper dive in this, uh, in this area. And by the way, if you want to experience more of this and take a deeper dive, got to check out the book, the transparency sale. Um, and my understanding the the cool thing about the book is it actually has a transparency on the front, which being a uh, sales rep that started in the 1990s, where we learned everything <laughs> off of transparencies, like yeah. Tom Hopkins transparencies. This is uh, really exciting to me. It's got, yeah, double- it's, uh, I, my, my um, publisher did an amazing job. Like, I wish I could take credit for it. They actually had three different potential designs for the book. Um, that was the second one, and we all fell in love with that. The third one was to actually drill a hole through the book, so the book would literally be transparent. transparent. And then you'd, you'd sell it to uh, Barnes & Noble and have them put it on a hook instead of on a shelf, which was crazy. But, um, <laughs> but hey, uh, one other topic that I thought might be relevant for your audience here, uh, yeah. which is really super counterintuitive like a lot of this, is... Um, about 10 years ago, I stumbled on this concept of something I call transparent negotiating. So it doesn't just apply to your positioning and your prospecting and your presenting. But what always drove me crazy is when we're selling from the heart, right, and leading with authenticity, we build trust from the first conversation through the goal line. The mm-hmm. customer says, yes, Todd, we are going to go with you. Uh, like, let's get through the pricing. And you're just like, all right. Now I'm going to start lying to you. I'm going to put on my, my Texas Hold'em goggles. I'm going to start hiding my tells. I, went, I go online. I look at like what are the best negotiation tips. And I see, um, you know, start with an extreme position. Right. And I see, um, give the customer the illusion that they have control. And I'm like, that's not like, that's the opposite. Why are we crushing trust at the goal line? And so I kind of stumbled on this uh, idea of transparent negotiation, which is essentially play your cards face up. 
And what I mean by that is that in every organization, there are four levers that move the needle. Um, and so why not present that? So I was at a customer who um, it was a big one and a half million dollar deal we were working on. They said, Todd, we need 30% off. I'm like, what, my charity? Um, right. Like, I mean, that if I, even if I do what the typical approach, which is ping pong, right, which is I can right. give you 15, right. I come back with 25, and then we end up somewhere where we're like, ha I got him. And they're like, I got him. Right. And, um, so, but the, the alternative to that is to do um, transparent negotiating, which is to say, and what I did is I went up to the whiteboard and I said, listen, there's four things that matter to our business. And I think we can help you get to that 30%. The first one is volume, so how much you buy. So the more technology product services you commit to, the more we're willing to pay you in the form of a discount for that. The second one is the timing of cash. As mm. it turns out, the faster you pay, the more, like we like money, uh, the more we're willing to pay you in the form of a discount for that. The mm. third one is the length of commitment. The longer you commit to our products, technology services, the better it is for us and the more we're willing to pay you in the form of a discount for that. And the fourth one is the timing of the deal. Our ability to forecast our business is really important. And if you'll mutually work with me on when we're going to get this done, we'll mm -hmm. pay you for that in the form of a discount. And then with the four written on the board, we went one by one and I gave them a path to 30. They selected 15% worth, which was to accelerate cash and to help me forecast my business. And then at renewals time or when they're looking to buy more, they start negotiating their own deals. Right. And for every dollar you're giving away, you're getting something back of value and you're no longer in the business of charity, meaning oh, yeah. I'm going to give you a discount that is charitably going to your bottom line. And so right. when we think about those things, we can continue to accelerate trust through the goal line. We don't need to take on a different persona uh, to negotiate deals in this modern era. Throw your cards out on the table, which are what your business cares about. And probably what your comp plan cares about too. And the right. magic happens there too. So, so tell me, they, so they asked for 30 and you went through that and they wound up agreeing on 15. Yep. And we got, uh, it was a three-year deal. They ended up accelerating payment for uh, three years. So we got all three years, million and a half a year upfront. Imagine the party. And then um, we agreed to get the deal done by the end of September and the funny thing is when we think about in traditional selling environments, we're like deal expires the end of the month. Right. And right. we don't really give a reason for it. And it always sounds like just a BS sales line. Right. In this instance, we got to the end of September and they're like, Oh gosh, our signer is out. He's in a submarine at the bottom of the Atlantic or some stupid reason why I couldn't sign. <laughs> and they said, um, when he gets back on Monday morning, October 1st, he will sign it. Will you hold the price? What do you do? Well, my, you know, when you look at the brain science and the transparent negotiating, what you do is you make September the certain thing. And you say, hey, listen, remember when we talked about, um, we aligned on getting this thing down in September, we're paying you to help us forecast our business. How about this? What I do know is if you sign it this week, still in September, uh, the deal still holds. Let's talk about October and October. And the buyer's like, wait, well, I, I have to know, like, this is important. Well, let's talk about October and October. Um, but if you sign in September, you know, the, the discount still holds. Magic happens. Our brains crave certainty. And so in that case, they signed it that Wednesday, the, uh, September 28th. Um, but the second piece of that is the minute you say yes to October, your deal just slipped. 
the minute you say no, you've eroded trust and they probably have to go through a new approval cycle, maybe get new budget allocation. And your October 1st became October 30th, becomes, becomes November 30th. So my advice is if you align around that and explain the business concept behind the end of the month, when it doesn't happen, reiterate why you agreed to that and say, hey, we'll talk about next month, next month. And then you'll have a decision to make next month as to whether you just want to take the deal off the table or go through the process and get more money for it. But Brilliant. again, negotiating transparency uh, transparently is a thing and it works incredibly well for just about anything anybody sells. And it works like I bought a car a couple months ago and I was putting together levers and throwing them out on the table. And it was amazing <laughs> how that worked. Too, so. Dr. Capone. That's I right. awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> what a great conversation. And, and I, I want Todd, first of all, thank you. Um, for uh, for sharing time with us. Thank you for having the courage to step out of your role and dedicate your life to this message. I can tell that this is uh, going to be something that the Selling from the Heart audience is going to just uh, devour. I know that I am. I'm really, really excited about taking a deeper dive into this. As we, uh, as we get ready to land the plane here, any final words of wisdom? You're talking to a global audience of sales pros who I know are nodding their heads up and down right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you just got to write it down. Um, I think the future of sales is radically transparent. It's clear that the science and the data tell us that uh, leading with our flaws and selling transparency transparently sells better than selling as though you're perfect. But now with the proliferation of reviews and feedback on everything we do, everything we buy and everything we experience, you've got to embrace this now. If there's not uh, reviews and feedback readily, accessible to your buyers today. Mm. I promise you in the next couple of years, it's coming. So work yeah. with your marketing teams, get your messaging down, lead with transparency and watch the magic happen. Oh man, that's fantastic. Well, thank you, Todd, for joining us. Thank you everybody for tuning in this week. Thank you for leaving some good reviews for Selling from the Heart as well. <laughs> Although maybe we need a few bad ones on our podcast. Uh, hey, uh, thanks, Todd. I appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Todd's going to leave us a four. I know it. Hey, <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being genuine. Till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, be radically transparent, and most of all, sell from the heart.